Welcome to Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper. This broadcast will challenge and encourage God's people to seek revival. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to Striving for Revival. Welcome to the Striving for Revival radio broadcast. This is Evangelist Justin Cooper coming to you today from somewhere along the Revival Trail. My, what a privilege it is to have you join us for the broadcast today. And what an honor is mine to take the King James Bible and share with you some eternal truth from the very Word of God. I hope you're having a great day today. I hope that you've already spent time in your Bible, on your knees, and seeking out someone you can share the gospel with. And I know that sounds basic and elementary, and you might say, well, we already know all of that, but here's the problem. I think a lot of Christians have never graduated from spiritual elementary. They are still stuck there, and we can't ever get bigger than the basics. The basics is what you see utilized in the book of Acts, and it literally turned the world upside down. Sometimes I think we try to think too far out of the box when God wants us to stay inside of the, bu- uh, the book, the Bible, and follow Him. And here's what I'll challenge you to do as a Christian. Every day read your Bible. I don't mean just read through it and race through it. I mean study the Bible. My Bible has written in the front of it 2 Timothy 2.15. Just a reminder to study, to show myself approved unto God. Not just casually acquainted with Scripture, but a student of the Scripture. Then pray. Now, I don't mean just pray, Lord, thank you for my SpaghettiOs. Amen. I'm talking about going to God in prayer. I'm talking about boldly accessing the throne room. I'm talking about praying specifically and praying on purpose and praying a prevailing prayer. The Bible said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And thirdly, be a soul winner. You know, soul winning is not just for the missionary. It's not just for the evangelist. It is not just for the pastor or somebody who might get paid to serve God full time. Soul winning is for someone who's saved. If you're a Christian, your primary obligation is to tell other people how to become a Christian. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That means it does not matter who they are. You'll never find someone who is not a candidate for the gospel. If they're breathing air, there is hope uh, for their soul. And every day, I wonder what might happen in America, in your country where you're listening to Today, if every saved person simply read the Bible, spent time in prayer, and strived to win a soul every single day, I think we could see a difference made. I think we'd see some light shine in the midst of the darkness. Now, we are in the book of Ruth. Specifically, we're in Ruth chapter 3, and this will be our second Bible study in the third chapter of Ruth, and I love this book. We're already over halfway through. It's only four chapters long, but this book, though it be short in duration, it is deep in truth and information, and God has given us a great picture in this Old Testament account of our New Testament redemption. Redemption is the theme that runs the length and the breadth of the book of Ruth. To redeem something is to buy it back at a price. And we often think of one who is in bondage and you, you pay their bail, you set them free. And redemption in Scripture even goes deeper than that. And we discover that we have been redeemed in First Peter, not by silver and gold, but by the precious blood 
of Jesus Christ. Calvary covered it all. Thank God Jesus paid for our sin on the cross of Calvary. He paid the ransom so that we might go free. Now, as we look here in chapter 3, you'll remember that at the end of chapter 2, the Bible told us that the harvest season was ending. What that means is now there'll be no handfuls of purpose in the field. Uh, there'll be no ears to glean for Ruth and Naomi. Up to this point, Ruth has survived by getting out in the field and picking up the leftovers. The servants of Boaz, the workers, would leave behind handfuls on purpose and let her pick them up. But now, with harvest ending, there'd be nothing in the field. Ruth is going to need more than the provision of Boaz. She's going to need more than Boaz's blessing. She's going to need more than what Boaz can provide for her. She needs Boaz in her life. She needs him uh, on a higher level. She needs a more, uh, a more, a deeper, if you will, relationship with him. And we're going to find that unfolding in chapter number three. Now, we'll begin reading again in verse number one. Our Bible says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, my daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And you'll remember I said last broadcast, rest is not talking about ease or uh, relaxation or sleeping. What she means is I'm trying to uh, get you hooked up with Boaz so that he can take care of you. Rest. So I, I'm going to get you connected to this man that can meet your need, and uh, you'll not be a widow any longer, but you can marry Boaz. So she's talking about connecting Ruth with Boaz, marrying this one who needs redemption with the Redeemer. Verse number two, And now is not Boaz of our kindred, who with whose maidens thou wast. Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man, until he shall have done eating and drinking. We covered that last Bible study. Naomi gives Ruth instruction to fix herself up, to make sure that she is clean, to clothe herself properly, and to go to the threshing floor. Boaz has been winnowing, he's been working, and after his completed work, he will lay down to rest. And there's a lot of good preaching there. You go back to Genesis 1 and see God operated that way, how God worked on those six days. And then on the seventh day, the Bible said God rested from his labor. I'm glad whenever Christ was on the cross of Calvary, he was at work on our behalf. But I'm glad the Bible says after that, he ascended up on high, led captivity captive, put the blood on the mercy seat, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Why? His work was complete. That is the exclamation point on the finished work of Calvary, the resurrection, the ascension, the sitting down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So she said, when Boaz is done with his winnowing, he'll lay down on the floor, and I want you to get there unto him. We talked about how that is a proper way to approach the presence of Boaz, and you and I can apply that, how we enter into the presence of Christ. She washed herself. She got clean. You know, you and I ought not enter into God's presence uh, with the filth of this world on us. We ought to pray and ask forgiveness and get cleansed, 1 John 1, 9, as we enter into the presence of God. When you come to church, you ought to come clean. When you sing, singer, you ought to be clean. Preacher, you ought to be clean. Put your raiment on and then get down onto the floor. All right, verse 4. And when it shall be, when he lieth down, that thou shalt mark the place 
where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet, and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. Now I want you to notice the plan is for Ruth to go and be incognito, if you will. And whenever Boaz lies down to rest, she is to go. And she does not approach Boaz at the head. She does not approach Boaz at the heart. She approaches Boaz at the feet. She goes to that lowest point, if you will, and she gets herself as low as she can go and uncovers his feet and lays there. She just says, this is where I'm camping out. I'm not going anywhere else. I'm just going to stay here at his feet until he's ready to interact with me. And that is what you and I are to do as well. We ought to just come in and humble ourselves, lay ourselves at the feet of Christ, and stay there until he uh, begins to uh, interact and converse with us. Get down at his feet. She uncovers his feet. In verse 5, And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. Now, I think I might stop the broadcast there today, and we'll get into the rest of the narrative next study. But that last statement is such a powerful statement. You know what she says? She says, Naomi, she said, you know what? You made a bad decision to go with Elimelech uh, to Moab, and you've made some other bad decisions, and I've been a part of those as well. Uh, but, I, but I like this. You are my authority. You're older than me out of respect for you. I will do what you've asked me to do. You want to be blessed in life? Let me go ahead and plug obedience. If you want to be blessed in life, learn how to obey, obey. If you don't want to get a speeding ticket, then don't speed. Well, that's a hypocrite if you ever heard one, me telling you not to speed. But uh, I mean, if you want to live a, ple a pleasant, peaceful life, obey authority, obey the preacher, obey the Sunday school teacher, obey your parents, uh, obey those that have the rule over you. God will bless you. Most Christians want to be blessed but they don't want to be blessable. And here's what I know. Blessings are what are line, lining the pathway of obedience. You don't walk into blessing with disobedience. It is through obedience saying, I'll do what you've asked me to do, as long as it's according to God's will and in God's word. And if God's in it, we ought to obey it. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Make sure you join me next Bible study. Until then, pray with me for revival. Thank you for joining us today for Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper. Listen at this time every weekday as we strive for revival.